So this morning, we're going to talk about a man named Joshua. Now, to me, he is one of the most underrated characters in the Old Testament. And mainly because who he follows. He follows Moses, and Moses is like the man uh, when it comes to the Old Testament thing because he got the Ten Commandments and freed them from slaves. So slavery in Egypt. So Joshua's original name is Yeshua, which is Hebrew for salvation. And Joshua spent his first 40 years as a slave in Egypt. So all he knew is what a slave's life should be. And then Moses comes. And Moses does his thing. You know, plagues, frees them, Red Sea, Ten Commandments. It's great. And Moses gives Yeshua a new name, which is Joshua. And our first big story that we hear about Joshua comes for us in Exodus chapter 17. And it's this, an army comes against the Israelites, and Moses tells Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight them. For tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God, and I will deliver the enemy to you. So Joshua, like we said, is a slave with very little to zero military training. And Moses goes, go fight that army. Now, Today in our world, there are times that God asks us to do things. And sometimes it's not easy because of our circumstances or because of our past or because of whatever we face in life. And we have excuses for it. Growing up, I had an extremely abusive father. Uh, physically, emotionally, you pretty much name it. And I have used him as an excuse for most of my young, into my young adult life of not going into the ministry. In fact, I graduated from Malone University and started working for the Cleveland Indians and worked in their business side of things, merchandising. And I ran as hard as I could away from a calling. And I was miserable. And when I finally decided to do the thing that God asked me to do, he has poured blessings into my life that I probably could have never experienced unless I did what he asked me to do. And the, the big thing that we need to keep in mind as we go through the whole story of Joshua is that if we honor God, he will honor us. And sometimes honoring God means doing the thing. Whatever that thing may be, and maybe it's easy to do or maybe it's difficult, but we can't allow our past or can't allow our current circumstances to keep us from doing that. Because it's very easy to go through our head and go, I can't. I've been through too much. But what God is saying is saying, I used a slave to become a commander to do great things, and he was willing to do it. And so what happens in Joshua's life is all of a sudden his world changes. He's now a commander, and he becomes the apprentice of Moses. Now, Moses is, like you said, leader of Israel. He's the head honcho, and you have Joshua who follows him around. And for the rest of Moses' life, Joshua's there. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, Joshua is with him basically halfway up the mountain. So it's a big deal. 
And like every major nation, there's time where leadership must change. And it comes that time for Moses to hand leadership over to Joshua. And this happens in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Then Moses summons Joshua and says in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong, be courageous. For you must go with these people into the land the Lord has sworn their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Joshua is now the leader of Israel. A slave turned commander, current apprentice, is now the head of Israel. And like most leaders, sometimes it's cool to have the old leader around so you can go to him and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. What, what can you, you say? What would you do in that situation? Well, the Bible says shortly after this, Moses dies. So now it's just Joshua. And Joshua must now lead these people. And here's what happens in Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God talking to Joshua. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. I will give you every place where you set your foot on, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their ancestors to give them. So if we honor God, he will honor us. And in times, there's moments when we must grab the torch that's being passed or grab the baton that's being handed to us or take up the new mantle and sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you have no clue what you're doing. And I've had those moments in my life. And one of the first moments happened on September 2nd, 2006. There's a picture I want to throw up there. That is my beautiful wife. And that is me, about 50 pounds lighter. Uh, and the big head that's in front of us is Alex Poindexter. <laughs> uh, he had the blessing of doing our, our ceremony, and, and we love him for that. But uh, I remember that day vividly, always will, the day my wife comes down the aisle in her beautiful dress and, you know, saying I do. But here's the, the, here's the secret. I am scared to death sometimes being a husband. Because my example, my father, was a horrible example of what a husband is. And I have to fight sometimes daily to, to not become what he was. To take the mantle up and do it God-centered. And I fail sometimes and I succeed sometimes. But my heart, my goal has always been that my marriage would be God-centered, that my marriage will not be in the same cycle that my father was with my mother, and it will break the mold in which I was given. But it's a choice. And you have to choose sometimes to take that mantle and run with it, and it's not easy. Sometimes it's straight out hard. 
The other mantle that I had to take up happened January 30th of this year when he came into my life. <laughs> January 30th of this year, my son Liam Joseph Ivy was born. And ever since, uh, he makes me smile. Uh, Liam Maluski, who's one of the students here, told me on Wednesday, he goes, Dave, I would never want to run to you, into you in a, in a dark alley because you're scary. Uh, but when you hold him, that melts away. And he brings me so much joy. I love being his daddy. Um, I am scared to death sometimes of being his dad too. Because my example, my father, was so bad. And I wrestle constantly with the idea of, of being a good father. And I don't want to be that. I want to give my son something so much more. I want to give him the thing I never had. And I need to do that every morning I wake up. I have to take that torch. Because I want him to be able to tell his son that my dad broke the mold and that, and that I can use him as an example, and then his son, and then his son, and then his son. And that's this my goal. And maybe you're in that situation. Maybe you, those are your shoes, and, and you, you have to figure that out, and it scares you. And you wrestle with it all the time. And when you mess up, it is magnified. And there's times you feel like you just want to drop the torch or drop the baton and just stay there and do nothing and say, hey, I, I, this is what I was given. But if we focus our lives to be God-centered, he will give us that strength. Because if we honor God, he honors us. Now, can we back to Joshua? Now, Joshua now has to lead this nation and his first thing is to cross a river. And the river was called Jordan. Now the Bible says that the Jordan River is, is at flood stage at this point. Now this is the Jordan River in 2011 when Alex went out to, Egypt, uh, out to Israel. And it is not at the same stage and depth that it was back in Joshua's time. The Jordan River is 159 miles long. So for Joshua to go around it, probably not wise. Probably deeper than about 17 feet deep. So kind of going through it was probably scary. But Joshua needed to do the thing. He needed to take the mantle up and do what God asked him to. He needed to honor God so he would honor him. And here's the story. It happens in Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set for Jordan where they camped out to cross over. After three days, the officers went through the camp and gave orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out of your positions and follow it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, prepare yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Two things to keep in mind. One, the Ark of the Covenant is a big deal and a big symbol to the Jewish people and to, especially to Joshua because the ark carried the Ten Commandments but it was more than just a big gold box. It was the lifeline to God. 
the priest and Joshua himself could have conversations with God in form of the Ark of the Covenant. So this was a huge symbol and a huge thing for the Jewish people at the time. Also, Joshua calls a shot. Joshua says, we're going to cross this river. God's about to do something really cool. Now, I know I am. Sometimes I see some big obstacle in my way, and I go, yeah, God, you're going to have to move that. And it's, it, it, you, sometimes my confidence isn't there. Joshua had all the confidence, and here's why. So they, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan River was at flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and piled up in great heaps a distance away. The priests who carried the covenant stepped on dry land in the middle of the Jordan River. And all of Israel, the whole nation, walks across dry land to get to the promised land. This would have been huge for the people who are doing it, and this is why. They would have heard the stories from their grandparents and their parents about the day that, that Moses take, took them to the Red Sea, and they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Now they're doing it themselves. Now they can add to their own life that God provided this great miracle as a symbol that they're going to do great things in the promised land. But this is not where the story ends. I started a video off with some of the, the greatest, like, you know, rah-rah moments in, like, movie history. My favorite, of course, is Braveheart. Uh, you know, love some Mel Gibson, um, which I like The Patriot, too, which is, like, Braveheart light. But it, it just gets you pumped up. Joshua now has to pump up and get these people ready to conquer the promised land because the land's theirs. They have to go out and they got to hit the cities, the kingdoms, and wipe them out. And so Joshua's new job as leader of Israel is to get his people ready and go out and fight. And the first city they come to is a city called Jericho. Now, Jericho has these massive walls. And the only way for Joshua and his armies to defeat the city of Jericho is to bring the walls down. So God tells them, hey, march around the city for seven days. So on the seventh day, I will destroy the walls and the city will be yours. And Joshua, doing the thing, goes out, takes care of business. But, jo but Joshua and the Israelites were given one command. Don't take anything. Wipe it out. Do not take gold, do not take silver, do not take plunder of any kind. Wipe it off the earth. Unknown to Joshua at the time, a man named Achan decides to go take some things. But Joshua doesn't know. So Joshua goes forward and he goes to the next city by the name of Ai. And it's actually spelled A-I. And it is a smaller city. And he sends out some spies like any good commander would do to see what is going on in the city. And here is what happens. When they return to Joshua, they say, not all of the army will be, have to go up against the city of Ai. Send two or three thousand men. 
to take it. Do not worry the whole army, for there are few people that live there. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the gates to the stone quarries and struck them down, and the hearts of the people melted with fear and became like water. Joshua was troubled. Joshua goes to the Ark of the Covenant, throws his face down on the ground, and, and asks the questions like, why? Why would you allow us to go through all this just to have us be defeated here? And we ask the same questions. We have moments in our lives where it's so frustrating and painful, and we lay ourselves before God, and we go, why? Why have you brought me this, to this place? Why is this going on? And in our times of brokenness and pain, we, we, we sent, sur- try to surrender to him, but we just ask him, why? And here's the response from God to Joshua. Stand up. Why are you on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my, co- my covenant, which I command them to keep. They have taken some things from Jericho. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them their, in their own possessions. That is why Israel cannot stand against its enemies. They turn their backs and run because they are liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy what is among you devoted to destruction. A quick disclaimer. Just because you go through bad times doesn't necessarily always mean there's a sin involved. Sometimes we just go through bad times. Sometimes there's just darkness and we must live through it. But what those times do give us is a chance to kind of step back and kind of evaluate our lives and where we're at and kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, maybe there's something I can work on or maybe there's something new you didn't know. But in this situation, there was a sin issue. And to honor God, we must honor him. And sometimes we must be willing to give up something. We must be willing to give up that sin, that thing, maybe that relationship, maybe that job, that thing that is keeping us between growing closer to God. We must be willing to give it up. And here's what happens with a lot of us. We get to the point in our lives where that's required or that's something we need to do, and we say, oh, that's it, I'm, I'm done. This is where I'm going, and this is where I'm stopping. And we don't allow ourselves to take this step back, to evaluate or, or to remove that thing. And our relationship with God just kind of stays where it's at. But he wants to do so much more if we're willing to honor him by giving that thing up. And the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 8 that Joshua wipes out Achan, his family, the whole possessions he took from, from, from Jericho, everything. And in that moment, he routes the city of Ai to the point where he has Joshua do something kind of goofy, maybe to our terms, but he has to hold a javelin out like this. But the moment he does that, the whole city basically is in ruin because God provides victory. And this is the story of Joshua through the rest of his life. He conquers 31 different kingdoms. 
and then he has peace. At the ripe old age of 110, Joshua dies. But before he dies, he gives a warning. He says, listen, if you honor God, he will honor you. But if you do not, then he will take his blessing. And he was telling this to the Israelites because if they would continue to do the good, right stuff, they'll completely bless the land. If not, they would take it from him. So the story of Joshua ends in peace. Like I said, to me, one of the most underrated Bible characters in the Bible. Now, I told you his first name, his original name was Yeshua, which means salvation in Hebrew. And there's actually a second Yeshua in the Bible. His name is Jesus. In fact, Jesus and Joshua can share the same name because they're named for salvation. And Joshua, his salvation was to bring the Israelites into the new world and, and to conquer it and to become peaceful people living in the promised land. And he brought salvation to the former slaves of Egypt. Jesus is our salvation. Salvation is defined as the the, uh, perseverance or the destruction of things that are to harm you. Jesus is that. Except our salvation is from sin. So as we prepare to go home and, and enjoy the rest of this weekend and hopefully the rain will stay away and we can enjoy the sunshine, just remember that if we honor God, he will honor us. And are you willing to do the thing? Whatever that may be, and even if it's not comfortable or even if it's difficult, because if you do, you honor him. Are you willing to allow your life to be God-centered no matter what is going on, no matter what your past brings you or your circumstances are? Are you willing to take those mantles, those things that God has for you and run with them? Because if you are, you honor him. And if you, are you willing to give it up? Give up that sin, that thing that has kept you down or kept you from getting a closer relationship with God? Are you willing to do that sacrifice? Because if you are, you honor him. And the cool thing about when we honor God, when we honor our Yeshua, he gives us victory. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that when the imperishable becomes imperishable and the mortal immortal, then the saying that is written will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we honor him, you honor us. And we have forgiveness, and we have victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and I thank you for the story of Joshua. Lord, I want my life to be honoring. I want to honor you so you honor me and everything that I do. And Lord, sometimes you have to reevaluate, and if I need to reevaluate things, guide me through it. Allow us to live as Joshua did, always honoring you wherever we go. In, sons, in your son's name we pray, amen.